Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Titus Task on Crete, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, I would ask you all to pray for the people of Puerto Rico, Cuba, and now Florida, United States. Many in the state were hit with a Category 4 hurricane that was only 2 miles per hour wind speed from being a Category 5. Floodwaters in many places reached 12 feet. Between the rain, the wind, and the excessive flooding, Florida has been hit very hard. If you want to give to help Floridians or people in Cuba or Puerto Rico, please research who you may use to do that with unless they have a well-recognized name like the Red Cross. May all our prayers be with them in these difficult days. I pray that all affected people in Cuba, Puerto Rico, and Florida are blessed beyond measure and in unusual ways that they never expected they could be blessed. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we closed our summer series with our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 17, hosted on September 25th. In that episode, we reviewed further our summer series. We started with Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 8, Mark 13, verses 3 through 8, and Luke 21, verses 5 through 9. While these gospel writers wrote to different audiences, that spoke different languages and of different intellect levels, they all ended their passage with the exact same statement. That statement was, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. We also asked two very important questions as follows. First, what are, quote, all these things, end quote. Next, We asked, are we seeing all these things happening now because we are that specific generation of people? That question asks two things. Are we seeing all these things now? Then, what we really need to ask and answer sincerely, are we that specific generation of people? This is something we cannot assume as others have in the past and have sadly become disappointed by the long term that has followed. In this series, we have found out why this has occurred. We also found that there is reason for new joy and belief that Jesus really is coming again for his church. The most obvious reasoning is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. The parable of the ten virgins, or the parable of the ten bridesmaids, 
depending on what Bible version you have. Of this event, Barnes' New Testament notes told us, When the Son of Man returns to judgment, it shall be as it was in the case of ten virgins in a marriage ceremony. The coming of Christ to receive his people to himself is often represented under the similitude of a marriage, the church being represented as his spouse or bride. Because this is a parable, a similitude, it is used as an example to say, To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 17. For more, listen to this entire summer series from this year. Welcome to our complete look at the book of Titus, only 16 verses long, typically used for verses providing reference to something else being related by pastors, preachers, or teachers of a particular message. Personally, I have never heard anyone teaching or preaching strictly from this New Testament book. In fact, we should note that this book is not written by Titus. It is written by Paul to Titus. Since Titus is a virtual unknown, I have a summarized portion of reference material to better acquaint us with a better understanding of who Titus was. Of Titus, nothing more is certainly known than what we find in the epistles of Paul. It is somewhat remarkable that there is no mention of him in the Acts of the Apostles, nor does his name occur in the New Testament anywhere except in the writings of the Apostle Paul. From his incidental allusions to him, we learn the following particulars respecting him. 1. He was by birth a Gentile. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, he is called a Greek and the probability is that up to the time of his conversion, he had lived as other Gentiles and had not been converted to the Jewish faith. His father and mother were, doubtless, both Greeks. 2. He had been converted to Christianity by the instrumentality of Paul himself. This is clear from Titus chapter 1, verse 4. Quote, to Titus, my own son after the common faith. Quote. This is language which the apostle would not have used for one who had not been converted by the instrumentality of another. 3. Titus went with Paul to Jerusalem when he was deputed by the church at Antioch with Barnabas to lay certain questions before the apostles and elders there in reference to the converts from the Gentiles. 4. After the council at Jerusalem, it seems probable that Titus returned with Paul and Barnabas, accompanied by Silas and Judas, and that afterwards he attended the apostle for a considerable time in his travels and labors. 5. There is reason to believe that Titus spent some time with the apostle in Ephesus, for the first epistle to the Corinthians was written at Ephesus and was sent by the hand of Titus. 6. We next hear of him being left by the apostle in the island of Crete, that he might, quote, 
set in order the things that were wanting and ordain elders in every city. End quote. This is supposed to have occurred about the year 62 and after the first imprisonment of the apostle at Rome. It was evidently implied that the apostle had been himself there with him and that he had undertaken to accomplish some important object there, but that something had prevented his completing it and that he had left Titus to finish it. 7. He was with Paul in Rome during the second imprisonment there. He did not, however, remain with him until his trial, but left him and went to Dalmatia. What became of him afterward, we are not informed. From Barnes New Testament Notes While edited for the time frame of this podcast, and not to bore you with facts, this is more than anyone has ever taught me about Titus. That amount of history of Titus better familiarizes him to us. Titus is virtually unknown to many brothers and sisters in the modern church. Churches many people may be a part of today. With that lengthy introduction of who Titus was and who he was associated with, let's dig into the book of Titus to see what else we can learn. From Paul, a slave of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's chosen ones and the knowledge of the truth that is keeping with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the ages began. But now, in his own time, he has made his message evident through the preaching I was entrusted with according to the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my genuine son in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. From the free version of New English Translation with limited notes. The first full sentence is in verses 1 and 2. However, starting with verse 1, we should notice this. Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, titles suitable to the person of Paul and the office he was assigning to Titus, according to the faith, the propagating of which is the proper business of an apostle, a servant of God, according to the faith of the elect, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the knowledge of the truth. We serve God according to the measure of our faith. We fulfill our public office according to the measure of our knowledge. The truth that is after godliness, which in every point runs parallel with and supports the vital spiritual worship of God and, indeed, has no other end or scope. These two verses contain the sum of Christianity which Titus was always to have in his eye, of the elect of God, of all real Christians. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. This commentary passage gave us two comments to take a closer look at. First, it read, 
we serve God according to the measure of our faith. We fulfill our public office according to the measure of our knowledge. In fact, that commentary statement makes two items of note. It states clearly, we serve God according to the measure of our faith. We should ask ourselves, what is the measure of my faith? I will ask you this, do you know the measure of your faith? What does the measure of your faith mean? The meaning of the word faith is easy. I am quite sure we all know that. However, just what does the word measure in this usage mean? After all, the word definition of the word measure is lengthy beyond what one may think. In this usage, the word measure means to estimate by evaluation or comparison from the Free Dictionary by Farlex. So we could read that sentence this way. We serve God according to the estimate by evaluation or comparison of our faith. This is how the word measure is being used in that commentary sentence, which in the full verse now reads, we serve God according to the estimate by evaluation or comparison of our faith. We fulfill our public office according to the estimate by evaluation or comparison of our knowledge. Do you notice that serving God is according to the estimate by evaluation or comparison of our faith? Did you notice also that we fulfill our public office according to the estimate by evaluation or comparison of our knowledge? We can then conclude that we serve God and fulfill our public office according to the estimate by evaluation or comparison of our faith and knowledge. I want this to be very clear and understood so we see our particular place as a servant of God. All of us are different and in different places. That means the lesser is by no means worse than the greater, and vice versa. For further clarification, our public office may be exactly that in this world. However, our spiritual public office is that which is comprised of our spiritual gifting, meaning some can teach, some can preach, some can pastor, some can minister to others promoting healing, and more. While not just our spiritual gifting, we need to remember that our spiritual and public office may mean that we are virtually unseen in the performance of our spiritual duty, like Titus. We learn further, the truth that is after godliness, which in every point runs parallel with and supports the vital spiritual worship of God, and, indeed, has no other end or scope.
Fellow brothers and sisters, this is, at least in part, what we are to be about. The truth that is about godliness, not after as in before or after. It is about moving forward in the charge that we are called to by God. As this commentator said, at this point, there is no other end or scope. Paul continues his thought in verse 2. For better sensibility, let's read the full sentence and focus on verse 2. From Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's chosen ones and the knowledge of the truth that is in keeping with godliness, in hope of eternal life with God, who does not lie, promised before the ages began from the free version of New English Translation with limited notes. Now, notice verse 2. It read, In hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the ages began. In hope of eternal life, the grand motive and encouragement of every apostle and every servant of God which God promised before the world began, to Christ our head. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. Notice what the hope of eternal life is to us. It is the grand motive and encouragement of every apostle and every servant of God. A promise by God before the world began, to Christ our head. This promise is quite possibly where eternal life was offered us by the mere act of seeking forgiveness for all our sins, past, present, and future. When was this offer made? Before the world began. It was made to Christ, our head, before he ever had to suffer the cross for our sake and eternal being. Yet, there is, at the very least, the assumption that this was the original intent of God to mankind before sin entered the world in the days of Adam and Eve. It could also be that both are true in far greater context than we can mentally and emotionally conceive. Verse 3 reads, But now, in his own time, he has made his measure evident through the preaching I was entrusted with according to the command of God our Savior. And he has, in his own times, at sundry times, and his own times are fittest for his own work. What creature dares ask, why no sooner? Manifested his word, containing that promise and the whole, quote, truth which is after godliness, end quote, through the preaching wherewith I am entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior and who dares exercise this office on any less authority. 
from John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. Right here in this commentary passage by John Wesley, a question that many do ask today is, what creature dares ask why no sooner? Here, in my part of the world, many people who say they are saved do ask this question. Properly stated in today's language, why hasn't he come yet? Are we licking our wounds and sores just begging for Christ to return for us? Or are we doing what we should do? Are we witnessing the gospel to others? Are we operating in our allotted spiritual gifting? Are we ministering to others, both those who know God as Savior and those who do not? The answers to those questions only you can provide for yourself. No one else but you. Now, Paul wrote to Titus, my genuine son in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Are you a, quote, genuine, end quote, child of God? Or not? Next week, we will continue to examine the book of Titus, a very infrequently examined book of the New Testament. Many who preach or teach on something else only use Titus as a reference, simply grabbing a verse or two. So, to be different, we will continue our study on these 16 verses by Titus. Join us next week for our episode titled, Titus' Task on Crete, Part 2. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, We truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address. 
unchurched dot site one two three dot m e at present we are located on a growing number of podcast sites so you should be able to find us on a platform you like we refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on sundays these sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.